Welcome to Fiction to Function. I'm Sean Melton. I'm Jubal Burton. And I'm Trevor Jones. Trevor Jones. <laughs> we're here uh, to talk about the Oscars, which were last night, but also tomorrow. Because we're recording this... Uh, the day before the Oscars. Yeah, we're recording this on Saturday. The Oscars are tomorrow, Sunday, and then this episode should be up and released on Monday. So uh, we're in the future and the past right now. We're kind of in like... We're uh, we're at the eye above Jeremy Barami. Yeah, that's where we're we're on Tuesday. That's it. We're tu- This it's is Tuesday. Saturday, but it's actually Tuesday. This Saturday is Tuesday. Um, I'm lost too. So what we're looking at is uh, we're looking towards the future and towards the past at the Academy Awards. And if you've heard our episode on the nominees, you know how we felt about a majority of them and. There's a lot of things that we've kind of left out uh, that I was even thinking about after the case, and some of it makes sense because this is called fiction to function and not nonfiction to function. But like for example, I was thinking about the fact that uh, you realize "Let Me Be Your Neighbor" wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Are you serious? Yeah, isn't that wild? I know because that was this year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was this year, and I thought that was for sure. Like I was like, oh, that'll well, be best documentary. Well, they do best documentary. documentary. Yeah. There's a category. There's a category. I was thinking, well, it didn't come up in our episode, uh, the episode Seth and I did on the Oscar nominations because um, we were talking about Best Picture. And we, we didn't really go into performances, so I'm like, I guess it, it, it makes sense, but it's something that this entire, uh, my entire intention on bringing that up in this introduction is just because I want to give some credit to Won't You Be My Neighbor because it's a piece of positivity in a universe that is bleak. And dark and ultimately negative. Yeah. So, see, just please see Won't You Be, you be my, my Neighbor. I think it's on HBO Go right now. Or just buy it. See, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, please Won't You Be My Neighbor. Right. Our aim today, though, uh, going on track with you know what the podcast is actually supposed to be, is to talk about uh, what I believe, and I think, I don't know about you both, but what I believe is the best, I believe it's the best picture of the year, but certainly of these nominees, what my hope to win is Roma. Definitely agree. No. Um, I, I, I'm a little biased toward first reform, but now ultimately Roma's, yeah, I, Roma's, at least my humble, humblest opinion, is definitely the best picture of the year, and definitely the best out of the nominees. It's, to say the least, it's an important film for me. Like, I haven't seen all the Best Picture nominees, but it's one of the movies that is going to stick with me, and I'll think about it a lot, considering what I go through day to day. Right. Yeah, and, and, and I th- I, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, about what, you know, if this one wasn't nominated, what would be, because there's a lot of flack that this one's getting in terms of, like, I think even Steven Spielberg, because it's a Netflix film. Yeah, okay. I know. And there, there's this idea that they're like, you know, I think Steven Spielberg was saying that, not to you know put him on blast, but he was talking about uh, the idea that, he's like, oh, maybe it, maybe an Emmy or something like that, because it's a TV thing, right? But it's not, and I don't think they should be nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it's really weird, and I, I don't, you know, and I'm sure that there's... I'm a, making a face for our audio listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's somewhere between appalled and furious. Yeah, and I think that it's it's very strange because I do think that he's... I, 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 I'm sure that there's 
politics and things like that that go into the why this is, you know, the they've got a problem with this, these directors, and maybe they even have some legs to stand on. I don't know. All I know that is in terms of films that were released this year, regardless of what venue they were released into, um, I think that this is... I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say. I don't think you could fight the fact that this is one of the best. I mean, I think the only difference we're really looking at is the box office. Right. And does that... That's not, really I, it. And if, if the Oscars are about art, which right. I think at least the three of us in this room, among a few others, hope that it's still about... Right. Um, putting Making it a Netflix special, you know, and it's a feature-length movie. Um, but making a Netflix special kind of says this this is a piece of art you know we're we're not even trying to make rake in a box office you right know? like this fact is movie theaters doing really bad anyway right <laughs> you know but well that's part of what's so strange about this whole um netflix situation without going too far into it is that it really is kind of a a uh there's a lot of people who feel like it sets a strange precedent for movies moving forward um, and it is weird because it is like show business. It is a business. And here you have something that says, you know, uh, I think they just raised their price to like fifteen ninety nine a month. And like that's their raised price. And it's still like they're making... That's two movies. It's that's, not much. That's not even... That's two matinees a month at the movie theater. Exactly. And so it's like the idea that they do this, I think it's threatening to a lot of these people, which makes sense. I understand from a business perspective how... If you're doing this, then we're going to be put out of business. But at the same time, again, it's strange when it's like, well, this is when you go, when you talk about the art argument, which not to belabor that point too much because we talked about that a lot in the Oscars episode. And I also realized too that uh, the Oscars exists more than just that. It's not. It should be said. I realize that I am. I border on being an Oscars apologist, um, but it is a ceremony that, at the very least, I enjoy for the fact that it it gives you you know. A plat- it gives films a platform to that they may not have, have had otherwise, and I think that Roma certainly deserves to be up there. And with that, I don't know what I would be wanting to win Best Picture of the nominees if this one wasn't up. I, n- frankly, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not crazy about any of them for Best Picture nominees. There's a lot of them that I like in their own way, but I'm not. I'm just. This is mo. Uh, in my opinion, most of the films that were the better films of this year weren't even nominated. And there's a lot of them. I agree. Um, I mean, if not Roma, I'd probably honestly say A Star Is Born. Yeah, that's that was that was good. But, I like that one. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't even pick A Star Is Born over a handful of movies that came out this year that... Why the hell weren't they nominated? But, right. moving on. Yeah, and on, I guess on to Roma. Um, so, again... Uh, this will be uh, I, I feel a little um, repetitive saying this uh, at the start of every episode but just in case somebody's tuning in here uh, I want to stress that this is going to be spoiler heavy um, for uh, just some frame of reference we're talking about Roma which is about a young woman who works as a Housekeeper, housekeeper, nanny. Living nanny. Yeah. yeah, in a uh, in Mexico City, in the early nineteen seventies, 
1970 um, exactly. Yeah, 1970 exactly. And so there's a lot in the that, that we'll talk about the culture and the time period because a lot of that plays a, into a huge importance of this uh, this film. Um, to, to it's funny we actually had, uh, and I don't know if this is I've talked to you guys about it, but I'm like I actually wanted, I actually had wanted to know if and. Leslie, if you're listening, if our friend Leslie would have been on this podcast because I was interested to hear some of her thoughts because her mother was born in Mexico. And She's lived in here. Mexico right now. Yeah, and I would have really liked to have heard some of her opinions on on um, on all this stuff, uh, if she had any insight as far as her mom is concerned. And But we still have, you know, history books, <laughs> so we'll kind of try to go into that on some level, I'm sure. But that's what the film's about. It's uh, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, which is what brought it to my attention um, to begin with when I heard about its 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 uh, production. And I'm glad to say it didn't disappoint um, because this guy's I mean he, he's a masterful director. We talked a lot about that, so we won't belabor that too much. But uh, I watched it. So I watched it. I think the day that it came out on Netflix. What did when did you guys watch this one? Um, I think I wait, I probably watched it about a week after you. Um, I actually watched it with Leslie. Okay. I watched it, I actually had to watch it twice-ish, because I put it on while I was playing one of my video games, and... Terrible idea. That was a terrible idea. This movie's like a novel. Yeah. So you gotta really concentrate on like, it. Am I a bot? <laughs> crying in your microphone. Right. <laughs> there are jungles about the gang. <laughs> Trevor, why are you crying? Don't ask. They can't hear me. Right. But so I ended up watching it last weekend. So for you, two weeks. If you're even more in the future, you'll never know when I watched it. Um, Remember, you're in the time bubble right now. We're all in the time bubble. There's no time right now. So yeah, I've watched it, I guess, more recently than you guys. Right. And... While we're still on talking about the director, you know what I find really funny about Roma? Hmm. There's like a little bit of every single one of his movies in it. Sure. With like the gravity scene with where they were watching a movie. Yeah. And there was the gravity scene. Yeah, that was interesting. And then there was like the children of men scene. Like the riots, you mean? Yeah, where they're getting out of there. Right. And then there's just so many kids, it might as well have been Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's an excellent one. Yeah, I actually, so I actually rewatched it today, which I was, so I wound oh, up being. Yes. I will eat my words. Oh. Oh, words? oh, oh, about being the last person to see <laughs> words it. Words are yeah. tasty here in the time bubble. Yeah, I wanted to rewatch it to, for, you know, any notes or anything that I wanted to take, which was, I mean, so, this is the second time that movie made me a puddle. Because it's a heavy one. It really is. It's a lot. It's really good. And it's not a belligerent heavy movie. No. It's like, like, I, I won't waste time talking about Star is Born, but Star is Born is also a heavy movie, but it's belligerently heavy. Right. It's, it's intentional. Yeah. This, this movie just, it's like, it's like a, the clown pulling the handkerchiefs out of his sleeve. It's just like, okay, there's the red handkerchief. I'm not going to cry. But, yeah. like, it just, like, slowly pulls it out of you. Like, and it just constantly, it's just, like, constantly pulling, just, like, right, pulling your soul out. Well, this one was, it, it's it's interesting because it's, it, one of the first things, uh, so I wrote a review for this film um, the first time I saw it, and in it I said, uh, 
you know, Alfonso Cuaron proves that being simple is not at all the same thing as being easy. And that's a, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah it, because it's a very simple film that is so far from being an easy picture to, mm. to make in terms of the technical skill that went behind it, but also in terms of the substance in it. Um, talking some about, I know what he had planned on for it. Uh, I know that for Alfonso Caroni talked about how for him, the film's about memories. Uh, he built the film so intentionally based off of his memories from living in Mexico city around this time. Okay. Uh, yeah. So like even like, so the opening tile, the tiles that are the opening shot, which I love mm-hmm. that was based on his house and the house that he had. Uh, the, I don't know if you remember the dogs, like the, the, uh, stuffed dogs. What is the word I'm looking for? With the, the taxidermy. Oh, taxidermy dogs. Yeah. 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 Up on the wall. yeah. Which he stressed are not real dog heads just so everybody's like okay, you know but that he knew someone who did that um there's a lot of little things like that and and what was interesting and what i thought that was so cool to hear him and, and his talking about is he's like these are about my memories but they're also about memories in general which i think is it's a strange thing to think about because none of us had the, this experience um none of us had the experience that he had we're not from the country that he uh you know, grew up in, but the, he wanted it to connect to this reflective nature, I think, in people, to which I think he t- did a very good job. It's so interesting because it's so vast, but yet it's so specific. It's definitely about this time, you know, uh, something else that I, I like about the film is it really is like a character piece, but it's not just a character piece on um, Cleo, who this actress is incredible. She's It was her first acting experience in general. Good job. Battle. Yeah, she was excellent. And uh, he didn't. It's not just a character piece about her. It's also about the city and the time and everything that's going on into it. Which again, we'll get into more. Um, and that's something that really connected. I don't know how you guys felt about all of that, or well, something that you said is like that. I'm like realizing right now is like if it is about reflection and that memoryness, it really just gets you there within the first shot. Because very dreamy, like that shot is a reflection of the sky. And yeah, it's just you're looking at the tiles and you're looking at the water reflection, and it's just very interesting to think about. And for me, I felt like the movie was more about transitions. Sure, like a lot in that first scene. You also see an airplane, and that's like what I attach myself to. You see an airplane go across the sky. I counted it three times. Yeah once in the beginning of the movie once at the end of the movie and then in the middle when they were at like the karate training camp right yep yep and like these are all like different moments where i feel like roma had some where cleo had some sort of clarity to herself huh yeah that's really interesting i want to ask you oh my I ha- god <laughs> thank you no i've lost sleep over those airplanes <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask you guys what you took from those. Have you so, heard me? Have you heard me talk about the airplanes? I've not talked to anyone about this, or heard anyone talk about okay, this. Okay, so I'm so happy you brought that up. No, and I I told this Sean like uh, briefly. I've I like I know they they stick out. They really like do. for instance, like they always stick out. And like what I took it as, or what like what stuck out to me about the whole thing is like the whole thing is so buck wild. Like honestly, the like her life. 
despite being very simple, she's a living nanny. She like cooks. She takes care of the kids. She's essentially a surrogate mother. Right. Um, but it's so foreign to us, both like literally and metaphorically. But like, it's like it's so. I'm so far removed from that, and I think like my mind almost slips into like a fantasy state, like you know this is this is unreal right and every time it was i don't know if it was just coincidence or if it was intentional but every time i found myself there the planes always brought me back because like oh those are 747s they're huge passenger planes they had intercontinental travel as a convenience right at that point in time this was not that long ago this is real life this is like and they're just that far away from it and like like the karate scene i love it because like she goes to like the slummest of slums, like literally like mud roads, houses built out of cardboard, and she like goes there to find it, and like here's this like this way of living that's just like so so like hard to grasp, and flying overhead is a seven forty seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, and on that note, actually, when you talk about at this time they had the, they they had the means to you know. Mm-hmm to fly that was actually one of the the big um points that he wanted to illustrate i know at least on one technical level that was what i think that he kind of in, intended for the planes is this idea that it's it's and i'm sure we'll, i want to hear more about what you guys take from that because i plan to get to the planes much later so but i love that you brought them up now because it honestly it's that's one of the the fact that it's at the very beginning yeah. And that it's at the very end is enough for you to realize this is intentional. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and there's a lot in this film that's intentional. The, f- the, f- the frame is always packed with something huge going on. And there's a reason for that, which, again, goes back to it's simple, but it's complex. And like you said, it's buck wild, even though it really is. Like, when you think about the things that this woman's seen, while she's just a, a, a living nanny, mm-hmm. it's crazy. But as it pertains to the planes, um, I know that at this point, this is when, like, a lot of uh, technological advancements were being made specifically in that uh, area where they're starting to get the means to to fly or to do these things or even the car the car that the guy is driving mm-hmm. so much of this has and they're also kind of uh, indicators of like class status at least at that place in the world so it's like it to be able to fly which that's what to be honest with you, that's what I got from the planes the thing I took most from the planes was there's a whole other world outside of what this girl lives. They're up there and she's down here. Well, to some degree, it's a little bit of that, but it's also like... I think about this every so often if like a plane's flying overhead. Or when I'm in a plane. It's like, think about how many people just watch that go by and they, it didn't matter anything to them. Or me, I don't know where these people are going. And I think for me, it's like, there's so much outside of this world. This is such a small piece of the world that we live in, the actual planet, and yet it's so profound in its own in its own way, as small as it may seem to anybody else. So when you, there's so many situations where like maybe you wouldn't give this woman a second thought if you lived in that country at that time, mm-hmm. in that house, and yet she's the star of this movie she's mm-hmm. the star of this film yeah the humanity of the film is really what i mean it over is an overarching theme to me mm-hmm. that i just like adore um can you say more about the reflection piece like what you mean by that because i think that kind of plays into 
So, like, when you think about those three points specifically. Well, I thought of them as, like, transaction pieces. Sure. So, like, we're literally moving. And if, like, I guess if I was to combine that with the memory thoughts, we'd be moving into the past. Right. In a very literal sense. Like, that could show you, like, that going to the dream stage. And this is just me pulling this out of my head because I'm like these are ideas that I've been developing of the transaction where Cleo was at a spot where like she knew what to do and it wasn't necessarily like she had plans it wasn't like a big huge plan like I'm gonna plan on having a baby I'm gonna plan on getting married it was I plan on maybe eventually getting this dog a bath right I plan on joining all the other maids upstairs and cleaning our clothes and just stuff like that. Right. But if it's a reflection piece, there's literally so many times when like you can see actual reflections in the movie. Right. Like with the water, with uh, the even in just comparing the different relationships. Like that was kind of a reflection on each other. Sure. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I like that you brought up the because one of them was during the that martial arts scene when she visits mm-hmm. yeah that the garbage That's boy right. yeah oh yeah the garbage boy stink man yeah. yeah that nasty boy the he's awful it's the worst but the, yeah the guy who who got her pregnant and when she goes to visit him remember there's the uh, the like the master who's like the talking, professor yeah, guy professor yeah guy. yeah yeah he's talking about you know this is you might think that this is very easy to do. Yeah. But it's incredibly difficult, and it's great because everybody's trying to do it. And Cleo, she's she's the only one that like yeah. simply does it. I yeah. sleep over that too. <laughs> uh, did you guys? Did I'm you gonna ask you a question real quick? Okay. Did you guys pause the movie and try to do that? Because I definitely did. I did not, but I th- I'm not. The second you know time I watched it, I was like, I'm gonna try that when I'm done, and I never tried it. I I honestly I'm like I I don't want to try it because <laughs> I can't do it. I don't think. Like that, I'm gonna look like a fool. Well, I did it for a good fifteen seconds. You were able to do it. I I got everything. Yeah, completely still. Well, not completely still, but I, I was able to do it. (laughs) And like, do you think that scene, like, because I, I don't know what to take away from that, but I, I do think, and I'm asking for help here. Do you think that scene is like, she? Like, is it a statement on her being, like, she has, I guess, the willpower or the focus to do anything that's in front of her? Obviously, it's not saying she's, like, a martial arts master. But is it, like, is it that she she can handle any like anything that's, like, thrown at her? Or is it kind of, like, a due to, like, the weight she carries every day that that's, like, her training? Like, I don't, I honestly don't know what to take away from that scene. What I kind of land on is just that, like, is it, like, just, like, I think the idea of the exercise was, like, an inner quietness thing and, like, like, focus. And I think it was kind of saying, like, she is, like, she is such a, she keeps so much in and she's, like, so, like, focused or not necessarily focused because that sounds like almost an achiever, but, like, I don't don't know. I don't know. For me, what I definitely take away from that scene is the professor guy says something about what is within our human 
capacities mm-hmm. and it is beyond what we know and like this is a scene where Cleo is pushing herself to do something that she'd never tried before and it shows that she has it in her okay like that's actually something I think about a lot from this movie and I even before this movie I'm like I'm human right I do not know how far I can do this because a lot of the things we do is are our choices mm-hmm. and like if I have a choice every day I can choose to be loving or I can choose to be impatient like I can choose these things and this is a time where Cleo herself gets to try a new thing and see push herself a little bit further and she realizes and everyone else around her realizes how capable they are standing on one leg with their arms above their head eyes closed and it's not as easy as it looks yeah well and i think that that has uh, it makes me think as well I, I think probably the thing i took most from it is the fact that this is a woman who there's a lot to her as much as you would think that you might not think that there is and so much of it, I think that comes from the fact that I think that she is present in her life, at least in that moment. That's what I was looking for. Thank you know what you. I mean? Like, yes. I think that she's present in this moment, and since she's there, and she's taking it for what it is, and she's doing the things that... She's dealing with things as they're coming to her. She's stable, I guess, Yeah, is what I would say. And so she's literally stable in the scene. She's able to stand and do this. Um but she's also stable in life. She's kind of a, she's a pillar. I mean, she's a pillar in in that family. She's we'll, the pillar of that family, right? Yeah. And we'll get we'll get to that. I'm sure. Um, uh, more on that. This that terrible guy that you know she was with, and all of that jazz. Um, kind of goes more into some of the history of of the the uh, the time and place. Um, and this is just more so for educational purposes for anybody who's not up to date with it. Through much of the 20th century, Mexico was a nation that was situated right in between this, like, it was in this weird juncture uh, between authoritarian authoritarianism, sorry, and democracy. And specifically in the, I think it was the late 60s, early 70s, um, there was a party, the Institutional Revolutionary Party, that dominated a lot of the country's government. And Roma is, depicts Mexico at the point when those tensions were like at a breaking point, which is what that whole, the scene that you likened to Children of Men, which is a pretty good example. I mean, that scene, for example, think about what went just as a what sidebar. What freaking shooting that? Oh my gosh. Yes. And it's out windows. It's not yeah. even like it's not. Which this is something that he does a lot. Uh, Coron is like it's the background that's so crazy. Oh, and that's I what makes the shot so impressive. I could talk about the background shots of that whole movie, not talk about anything else. Yes. Again, imagine being one of those extras. Honestly, absolutely. You have somebody with a megaphone being like, "Okay, fight now." Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody. And there's so and many there, people you outside. Even, you see, you, there's not even a camera on you. Yeah. You know the cameras in that building up through that window. You know it's it's so wild. Right. Yeah. No, it really is, and it's crazy too because it's. And I think that at that point, um, the film, this is the, this is sort of the turning point in a way. At least, this is the final turning point I think because from that point on, you're pretty much in emotional Wreck. roller coaster. Yeah, because before that, it's it's you know. So we even had a friend uh, who was watching it recently, 
and um, he was talking about how he was like, yeah, it's, it's good, it's interesting, it's really well shot, things like that. Uh, kind of slow, but I think he watched the first half at one day, and then he watched the second half, and after the second half, he's like, oh my gosh. Because you kind of don't know what's going, and it was just, I was in a similar space. Like I'm like, this is a really beautiful film. I love these shots. This is incredible. I'm really interested in this character. As simple as like her life is. At the same time, from there, that's when obviously this puts her into labor, premature labor. Is that what happened? Is she her water breaks? Yeah, yeah her water breaks. Labor. I guess because of out of stress. I'm guessing. I don't know honestly. I don't know enough how all that works. I'm not. I'm not a doctor. Right, yeah. and so it's like, but the, it, whatever it, these events seem to cause her to to be thrown into this into this circumstance where, and it's just, I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's great is you also start to see the bond develop between because there's an interesting bond between her and the family. Oh yeah. So yes. When we talk about the her being a pillar, right? Because mm-hmm. the dad is. Uh, jerk yeah to say the least um the mom i like the mom actually she's got her issues she changed for, sure. for me she changed yeah like starting off i'm like this mom's a jerk yes why yeah, can't the nice it. girl have the ice cream she's not gonna get fat don't right. be rude absolutely and then you know like let her finish the movie there's five minutes left don't like make yeah. her go get homeboy some tea you know yeah i'm glad you brought that part up actually because it's such an incredible moment in the film that again it's it's very low-key but what it means is so significant because in that moment yeah the kid even puts his arm around her like she's part of the family but don't get too comfortable because she's not exactly part of the family yeah at least at this juncture Mm -hmm. because as soon as they need tea go get the tea and not that the, the mom, for that reason, it's like not that she's doing anything wrong necessarily. Like, that's her job. I recognize that. At the same time, yeah, there's something about, like you said, Trevor, I, I she changed for me as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that so much of that came from the circumstances, and I guess this goes back to her being a pillar and this, like, stable character in the film and also in the life of her family, uh, is that the family that she works for, lives with, and is kind of part of is that I think that, I mean, for one, I, I to be honest with you, I think that the mother was kind of, I don't know if she was like living in fear of the father. She definitely was, he definitely impacted her attitude mm-hmm. and yeah. for, the, for, for the negative because of what a crap show he was, you know? Do you think at like, and I, I don't want us to stick too heavily to my pillar analogy, but at the same time, I think it might be a good one. Do you think it's like, that she is like for every person in that family is like a placebo or not a placebo but like a replacement for what all like for instance like like she's despite the fact the mother's there she's like essentially like the real mother to the kid she's the one who wakes them up tucks them in tells them they love them sing tells them they love them sing them songs exactly you know talks about what they're feeling mm -hmm. for for the for the mother um feel bad not remembering name because she is fantastic in that movie but um she's honestly almost kind of like a husband to her in like in certain ways like like what do you mean like rallying up the kids carrying the suitcases stuff like that like stuff that like usually it's like you know oh i let 
Yeah, I do this. Let dad grab the suitcases. They're yeah, heavy. You know. Sure. And it's a much more simpler thing. Like, I don't really know what she represents the old lady. Right. But... Well, I don't... I think that you're right when it comes down... I do, I do think that that's... She's... It goes back again to this idea that she's part of the family. Yeah. She might not be treated like that all the time, and I think that we see that change. I mean, we saw, again, going back to the mother, we certainly see the mother change. Like you said, she changes for you, but she changes in the film. Yeah. She changes from being kind of a snooty, stuck-up person to being someone who's much more compassionate. I think maybe her her scope broadens. Like, she yes. had this one goal of get your husband, get her husband back, and when she realized she couldn't do that anymore, she was able to really you, relax, I guess. Yeah, and you realize, like, he, so here's another great scene, is when you think of the dad with the car, mm-hmm. and how much care he puts into making sure that this car gets parked in there perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet his family, they're there when he needs them. Yeah. But the car, which is, again, this, like, portrait of, like, status and class and all yeah. those things at that time and in that place, that he wants to protect with everything he has. Mm-hmm. And as you start to see the, the the mother have to take on more responsibilities, even another great scene being when she's talking to the kids. Dad's not coming back. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's... I think that... I think that all of these things allow Cleo us to see Cleo more and the mother and the family the kids not so much the kids love Cleo the whole time not that the mother didn't but you know what I mean uh, they she starts off go get the tea that's what's important don't get too comfortable and as the family starts to fall apart Cleo's always there mm-hmm. and Cleo's kind of keeping people together and she's really out there you know doing the hard work Literally and in some ways, you know, figuratively speaking. So let me ask the obvious next question. What was the biggest takeaway from the movie for you guys? Like, how did this movie affect you? I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that, that's a question I asked myself, to be honest, because at, at one point, it's just like, you know, like, I think the obvious takeaway is a lesson in empathy. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you know, it goes with what you said, Sean, about, like, I, I looked at, like, when you talk to people in the planes, but, like, when someone's far away, you forget that that's a person with thoughts, feelings, emotions, a history, memories, all that stuff, just like you are. And the thing that immediately jumps out at me is like remember that that person you see carrying a basket of clothes down the street or you know racing someone racing your friend through like crowds whatever like that's that's a person that has like so much to them you know which is what that movie was like i think there's probably not a off-screen character you know like if you look at that situation everyone in that girl's life who saw her was just like oh it was just a at one point someone calls her a derogatory term in that movie actually a servant he calls her a servant yeah yeah again it's the the worst guy the worst 
Yep. Wang Boy. I don't know his name. I don't. We know. don't need to know that. <laughs> Something with the, yeah, 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 yeah. It's best they be forgotten. Yeah. Started but, with an F. I remember that. Yeah, as an F that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. He does. He calls her a servant when he after he says that if she comes near him again, he's gonna you know beat up her and her child. Yeah. But I mean, there you go. That's probably like how everyone looks at this character, right? You know, the whole time. It's obviously so much more. I mean, his the director's words himself. He says, you know, it's about memory. So like, what's the takeaway if I'm looking at it like that? I think maybe it's like there there are people we meet every day that experience that that grew up in that situation, and it's almost like it's forgotten to most people. Yeah, I mean. It's interesting you brought up Leslie because, like, I think most of that stuff was like news to her too. Really? Yeah, I, that's why I wish you. I wish you would have been able to. Yeah. To to join. But us. um, correct me if I'm wrong, Leslie, if you're listening to this. <laughs> but um, but uh, no, it's yeah. I I think it's like there are there are among us, and like he's one of them people who bore witness to this, like time right and these characters and people like this like even the, the fact that he made sure to include the fact that they were speaking in my they called it um mextech yeah which is a mixture of mexican spanish and aztec i guess right you know because um and they even made a point of saying hey you know this is when they're speaking. in brackets it's gonna yeah. be yeah Mextec. um i don't know oh yeah maybe take yeah that's probably that's probably my takeaway be yeah, I, I gotta be honest with you. I think that I, I'm pretty much right with you. I don't know that I'm gonna say much more um, new other than to, to kind of <laughs> echo the things you just said. But for me, I know, for one, I do think that there's something so cool about because we've talked about how, from the technical standpoint, and it kind of plays into it, definitely plays into the emotional standpoint, which again is that's what's so great about Cuaron is that he uses his technical skill to the end of making an impactful emotional moment. And so when he's intentional about the people washing the clothes and drying them on the roof, or when he's intentional about the year of car that was, you know, here, or the tile that's being used, or the dog's heads and the whatever, you know what I mean, or the student protests, when he's being intentional about that, it's because he's trying to really capture this moment. And he's trying to capture his memories, yes, but the way it connects to memory in general it really is like magical, um, and it and it it it's incredible to that you know, to watch this film knowing that you're looking at someone else's like I like what you said about you know essentially some of what I got from what you said is like these things happened like they mm-hmm. might be long forgotten for. Or never, or never, never experienced. Yeah, yeah. But he grew up there. He saw it happen. He was there for these things, and it's like that built him. And these things, which is, sorry, it clicked in my head when you said it. And these things, what he's talking about, he's not talking about this big political, like not. He's not talking about a history book. So hey, this political movement happened. It's like what he's talking about is like the people. That we're in that experienced it experienced exactly. it like yeah that's like what should be remembered right, what we're remembering here is not our 
11th grade world history assignment what we're remembering is this girl that was there for that was affected by it was part of it exactly and that's what's so cool to me about this idea of it being about memories and about an individual in the midst of such an incredibly um, monumental uh, circumstance. It's really wild to watch this happen in, in this thing that's so many so much of the stuff that's happening in this film is so large and it's so much bigger than one person. But we're brought back to this one person and I think that what it does for me is it says, okay, well, this is this man's memory and this is this woman's story and I think that the way it kind of connects to all of us is I think it challenge I, I think there's a part of it that that, cha that can challenge the viewer to really engage with their own life and the things that brought them to the place that they are today and to be reflective on those circumstances, the time that they grew up, the people that they grew up around, the friends that they had. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such an incredible thing. And it, it, the, again, the humanity of the film, the human element is so, is so powerful. It's just, it, it, it's, it, it, it's really, it truly is. I, I think that, and I think that he's made films that if anybody wants to come and say that children men's a masterpiece, I'm not going to fight them. But with this, I think that this is a masterpiece that it's up there with like the works of like Tarkovsky and Bergman. Like it feels like something, even to watch it, it feels like something from. It's interesting because the quality of the shots and things like that. It's like, of course, this came out in twenty eighteen. You know what I mean? It's 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 so well crafted and so well put together, and every the shots are so clear. But there's aspects of this film that feel like it could have come out any time in the last thirty years. Mm. It feels like a classic. And I think it's destined to become one. The biggest takeaway I take personally that I know that it's going to, the way that this film has impacted me is more so on the uh, note of what you said about empathy. For me, it allows me to see how very different and yet how very similar someone who lives thousands of miles away is from me mm -hmm. we are both human but we're both different but we both experience things and our experiences are different but they and, and that so that that's i know what it is for me is this idea of of understanding somebody else whose experience is totally different than mine but who is like me a complete full human and individual mm -hmm. and that's just so beautiful to me what about you trevor so for me, as I watched the movie, I saw a lot of isolationist in Cleo. A lot of the shots themselves kind of isolated her. Yeah. Whether she's at the doctor's office, and we don't see the doctor, they're asking her awkward questions, and she's just struggling to get some things out. And as the movie continues, very often Cleo is surrounded by so many people. Like when the kids run off, and she's chasing after them. Like, you see that she's alone. She's the only one that's there that could do anything. Do you mean the beach? No, not even the beach yet. Like, we're at the even movie early. theater. Oh, okay. When, like, the kids run off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's alone, and the grandma can't really help, so she's got to go run off 
after the kids, and we can't see the kids, so we're feeling stressed along with her, and it's just really building that. But, like, I just keep seeing how alone she is. And even with, like, the dad in that same scene, like, coming over, seeing his kids, and like, that's your dad. No, it's not. And, like, that could have been a chance for a connection, and it just wasn't there. Right. And so often this happened in that movie where there were times when people would re- even reach out to her, and she's like, no, I can't because I I think of the scene during New Year's yes. when the lady brought her away from her job to go get a drink, and she's like, I can't take part of this, and she still does, but then there's still this isolation. And then there's even that isolation with the mom, which is actually like kind of where the char- where that character changed for me. Because Roma, or Cleo, I keep wanting to call her that because I don't <laughs> know how the, why the movie's named Roma, but... Right. Where Cleo was alone and the mom character was alone and they were just like both alone together. And that was a very interesting moment for me. Because I'm like, to then get to where you guys are talking about, those connections. Right. Like, there's even a line where the mom says, we're always alone, remember that. We're always alone. Yeah. And that's just something that's in me on at some level almost constantly where like I feel alone even if I'm surrounded by friends, even when I'm surrounded by love. And let's it when we get to the beach scene, there's this I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, because yeah. the payoff. Everything you're saying just yeah. feels like it that, makes that payoff so incredible. It's so beautiful. When you see the camera focusing on her, she's alone again. And she goes into the water. We know she can't swim to right. save the kids. This is her being alone, doing something that she knows she's supposed to do. Yeah. And then finally bringing the kids back, getting back. Everyone's there. And she's arguably at her most vulnerable point right now. And then r- tells everybody what she's been holding in. What I think she believes was isolating her. Right. Where I didn't want the baby, which oh my god, was so fair. Yeah. Like that's you're in that part of your life. You you have four kids and a mom to take care of. It's the son of a bastard, it's right? And when it's entirely when, fair. And when that part's brought up too, when she says those words, it it brought me back to that moment. Mm-hmm. Which is heartbreaking, the incredibly heart-wrenching moment in the, in the hospital. But it brought me back to that moment as if it had, as if I was still in that moment. Which yeah. shows you that she's still in that moment. Yeah. And hasn't processed it until right now where she thought she was going to die, probably, yeah. doing this. Or she thought she was going to lose another kid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And like that moment where she was finally honest yeah. and was able to make this breakthrough. Like that's when she felt most connected and most loved. Or at least that's what the scene gave us that it showed that she was the most connected, most loved. And it's one of those things where like, I got to remind myself, I got to be honest with myself, with others. If I really want to remain connected, cause that's the best way too. else. I isolating myself with my own, thoughts and my own walls that could easily be imaginary. Right. It's beautiful. And that's why Rome was an important movie to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's... Yeah. 
No, I think that that's that's fantastic. I I love that idea of the because that beach scene is so that shot already is like again. I think that that's up there is like it it. it I, I could totally see a world where 40 years from now that's being shown as this monumental moment in film, you know, history where it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like the, uh, probably, I mean, not as iconic, I'm sure, because, like, very few things are, but, like, when you think of, you know, Charlton Heston, like, on his knees on the beach with the Statue of Liberty behind him, there's these moments where you go, oh, that's from that film. You know what I mean? Or, like, even if you see, like, a cartoon or something or some movie, reference it as, like, kind of a joke. You realize what they're trying to refer to. And that scene is so perfect. And I I, I really think it is. And so much of it, by the way, is a, again, as a sidebar, that actress, she, this actress didn't know how to swim either. So that's scary. Um, yeah. So I'm like, God love her. But, like, it, it really is... Uh, he's like... Perfect. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and it was perfect. Like, and and it, but it, it is that scene is just, it just, it's so beautiful and it's so human. And again, and I keep going back to that word, but it's because this film does something, and this is what really fascinates. Because when I first heard Alfonso Cuarón talking about how this film was going to be about memories and his memories specifically, but also about memories in general, I didn't understand how you could do that. When you're making a film about a very specific place, how can you say, well, it will connect to everybody and what they're dealing with? And that's what's so incredible about this movie is that I would go so far as to say it's like an it's like a spiritual experience that you go through. If and you allow yourself, yeah. If you allow yourself. And that you connect to this woman who, again, her circumstances so vastly different from any of ours. Mm-hmm. But we're the same yeah you know what i mean we're yeah. both beings on this earth and we both have these it's it's, it's just it's absolutely beautiful i i truly i think this is the best film of the year and i'm i'm i hope so much that it won last night tomorrow <laughs> i hope it won wins last night tomorrow um it'll be really interesting to re- record next week's episode uh, in the, the next week's podcast might just be the sound of chairs getting thrown and smashed yeah. and distant screaming. And it, it, it not only will this be a win for Netflix, this is this will be the first if this wins, this is the first time that a foreign language film will ever have won Best Picture. Didn't I? The Academy Awards. Did um, what's it called? That uh, it's Beautiful Life. Life is beautiful. No, Life is best beautiful. foreign. Yeah, one. Yeah, it was best foreign. foreign. Yeah, I always get the two. Yeah, the titles are too similar. <laughs> yeah, what? It's a beautiful. Oh, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, and life I is beautiful. always. I'm like, no, it's not life is beautiful because the, the the old one is called life is wonderful, and I do that every time. Anyway, yes, it's beautiful. Okay, so that was foreign 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 language film, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Which actually, I'm kind of glad you mix those two up because in this episode, because actually, I want to give a shout out to uh, our friend Watson's mother. Because she was another person Grace. who, yeah, <laughs> my oh, secondary Grace. employer. <laughs> yeah, Grace, God love her. Because she's maybe Ma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's so she's so wonderful, and she we plan to do um, if she'll if if she's interested, uh, we plan to have her. We would love to have her on an episode down the line, and I've got I've got an idea for that. But the reason I'm specifically thinking about her is because her entire house is, it's it's pretty much a shrine to three things, which is like her son. 
whatever their, holiday it is. Well, four things. <laughs> Her son, that the their dog, Ginger. Ginger, Ginger, and and it's a wonderful life, <laughs> and I love it, and it's beautiful, and and I but yeah, but I specifically the reason I wanted to bring her up is because uh, we thought about having her on this episode because this is uh, she's been someone uh, we've been texting kind of on and off about this film because uh, I know that she she really appreciated it and just want you wanted her to know that I appreciate her we appreciate her we appreciate Grace so I think that that's going to do it for us um, we hope that you enjoy the show we hope that uh, you keep updated with us uh, again you can follow us on Twitter Instagram and you can download episodes just about anywhere you get podcasts from um, please tell your friends and uh we thank you for being with us. Peace. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. And just all your kind words and support. Appreciate you listening. Catch you next time. And uh, from me, just remember, uh, martial arts saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Now I gotta get Seth. Martial arts saved my life.